You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hearn here, your host, back with another episode. Exciting news. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who have been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at oklahomahof.com, and then definitely follow them on Instagram for all the information that you need, because I'm sure that's where you follow us as well, at oklahomahof. Let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hoon here, your host, back with another episode uh, down in the Central Exchange building today uh, with the lovely Eote Coffee. I was always center stage. They do. Then This is a free ad because they're worth it. Uh, great coffee and, and a great building. And my guest today has an office directly above uh, Eote Coffee. So no doubt uh, if you read his website, it says he's fueled by coffee and that's I, you know, it's not hard to believe when you when you're right above EOT Coffee. So, uh, Kevin DeShazo on the podcast today. Pre- really appreciate your time and, and thanks for inviting me down. Uh, you know, I, very busy man. But as we've just been speaking before this, you know, it's uh, different different situations now with with 2020 and not traveling, COVID stuff. So, for a man that usually travels a lot. Um, you know, we'll get into why you travel. But for everyone listening, I guess elevator pitch. You know, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, elevator pitch. Um, I essentially just work with leaders and teams to help them get better. Um, helping leaders become better, better leaders. Helping teams become better teams, build better cultures, um, so they don't just have a good year, a good quarter, a good month, uh, a good season, but to have consistent success. And so most of my time is spent in the sports world. Um, and so I run a, t- a company called Culture Wins, which is the sports division uh, of a company called Giant. So Giant does leader development around the globe with the Air Force, with Google, with Chick Fil A. Um, down to mom and pop shops, and I run their sports division, um, working mostly with collegiate athletic departments and sports teams. Yeah, so like uh, travel all the time and, and have. A, I mean, you've got to be a huge sports fan to be a, tra- yeah. working with sports all the time, right? Oh, I, it's it's funny. So I, yes, played played basketball growing up. Was a massive sports fan. Wanted to work in sports. Mm-hmm. You know, growing up, uh, I grew up in the Jordan era, so wanted to work for the Chicago Bulls. Wanted sure. to work for a team, and then I remember uh, I went to Oklahoma State. And Mark Cuban bought the Mavericks somewhere around that time. And their players were getting like PlayStations and like sound systems in their lockers. And I'm like, this is crazy. I want to work for that guy. <laughs> uh, and so I remember sending Mark Cuban probably a hundred emails um, wanting to work for the Mavericks. Uh, and so now it's like, I get to work for every team. Like yeah. I don't have to work for a team. I get to work with, with hundreds of teams. Uh, and so it's as someone who's grown up loving sports, getting to be around sports and sports leaders uh, for my job is, is pretty fun. Yeah. So you grew up in Oklahoma? Then? Mostly. So I grew up in Missouri, uh, moved to Oklahoma in seventh grade, moved to Tulsa and okay. have been, been in Oklahoma since then. Yeah. And then yeah. been an OSU fan, I assume, for a long yep. time. Yeah. And uh, well, so I grew up an Arkansas fan. So a lot of family in Arkansas. Uh-huh. Went to Oklahoma State uh, after after high school, um, and of course fell in love with with OSU. And, and uh, you know it's interesting being not fully from Oklahoma. You know there's it's OSU and OU, right? And so yeah. there's there are clear cut lines. 
uh, and I went to OSU because they gave me more money, right, for a, for a scholarship. I'm like, oh, I'll go there. Most of my friends went to OU because they had just won the national championship the year I graduated high school. Yeah. Um, and I went to Jinx, so big football school, and like, we gotta go to, we gotta keep being champions. And um, so a lot of people went to OU, but so yeah, love, love OSU, although OU is a client, so that's always sure. fun. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a weird, weird dynamic, but, but yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, growing up and, and then going to Jenks is a powerhouse, has been a powerhouse for a long time. Yeah. Um, and you said you grew up kind of Jordan era, so a huge basketball fan. Yep. Uh, do you play ba- high school basketball? I did until my sophomore year. Okay. Yeah. Quit my sophomore year. Just, just, hey, Pro- probably wasn't good enough. Yeah. I could use the excuse of didn't like the coach or what. Like, I just probably wasn't good enough. But you had that realization to, I'm not going to go to college to That's do right. this. I'm going to do something Al- else. Although I say that, um, I had friends, so I played at different times. I was on four or five different teams, right? The high school team and different travel teams. And I had friends that I was on travel teams with that didn't play on on our high school team that went D2, D3. That was, I I honestly didn't know those schools existed. Yeah. So probably could have gone to a a small D2, D3 school and and played. but but the, even that may have been a stretch. Yeah. So so sophomore year, you, you like I'm done with basketball, um, but I still obviously have this passion for sports. What do you are you think? Do you know what your degree is going to be in? Are you just I'm going to see what the next two years is like at school, and then decide? Or was university like I'm definitely going to go to university? Yeah, that was that was always the plan. I mm-hmm. uh, didn't know what I wanted to study um, until my senior year. So when I decided to go to Oklahoma State, you know, computers were becoming a massive thing. So this was the year 2000. Mm-hmm. That was when I graduated and loved computers, loved, loved messing around with computers. So I figured at that point I wanted to, I loved sports, but computers seemed like a good route to take. Um, and so I went to Oklahoma state and went in knowing that I wanted my degree in management information systems. Um, by the time I got probably year three, I realized like, this is not what I want to do. At that point I was like, that's oh, too late, whatever. I'll just get the degree and, and figure the rest of life out. Didn't know if I would ever work in sports. Right. Um, didn't really have any contacts in sports. It was just always something that, that I enjoyed. You know, now I talk to friends or, or people in the industry that are, that I work with who they interned at the athletic department, you know, yeah. in college, or they had jobs in the athletic department. I'm like, I didn't, had no clue that was, I was just so unaware of things. Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of a miracle that I ended up in the industry. Yeah. But I guess you always kind of had a passion for, uh, motivation, leadership, and, and speaking as well? Leadership, yes. Speaking, no. Okay. Um, and, and leadership, I always found myself in leadership positions. And I don't know that I always deserve those, um, but I always found myself in positions of influence. And so okay. from, a, from a pretty young age, um, leadership was something that, that I thought about, something that I was interested in. Speaking, uh, I had never done any speaking. I mean, yeah. other than, right, we, we, we make public speaking into this big deal. Like all of life really is public speaking. This is public speaking. Yeah. Um, most people are just afraid of looking dumb, but it's like we speak publicly all, all day time. long, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I, my first quote unquote speech was, so after, after college, I was in the healthcare recruiting world and I had gone to our corporate office for some training and our, our president at our, our office here in Oklahoma said, Hey, give a, give a presentation uh, to our team on what you learned. And so yeah. I have to put together this PowerPoint and it was I wish I still had it. It would have to be so bad. Um, I remember like the title slide graphic was like the eye of a hurricane. Um, and it had nothing to do with anything. Yeah. Right. It was just like, I found a picture on the internet of a hurricane that had just happened from outer space. And so I was like, this is cool. Doesn't apply at all. Yeah. Um, but that was to 20 people. Um, and so when I had my first actual public speaking gig, uh, with this work and, and doing social media training is kind of how I got into the college sports world. Mm-hmm. I had never actually given 
they talk in front okay. of a, a large group. Yeah. My first so, one was 400 people. Which is, I mean, that's a lot. It's a large group. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, when, when you're on stage for the first time, you got the lights in your eyes. It's like, you can kind of see the first 10 rows and then that's thankfully right. you can't see anybody that's else, right. which is yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, you know, you just kind of go for it. But, you know, when you graduate, you know, two for 2000 going, going to college and social media really is, I guess it's not... It's nothing. It's nothing, right? Yeah. So when you were in, so when you were in college, did it was it kind of peaking, or was this after that you went into social media? Yeah. Stuff? So it, Facebook came out. I want to say at the Facebook yeah. right came out. That's what it was called then. Uh, I want to say it came out my last year of college. So four, right? Uh, somewhere like around that, the, yep. yeah. And and it wasn't everywhere, right? Sure. So I was at Oklahoma State. Yeah. Uh, my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time. She was at Oklahoma Baptist University about an hour away. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't have the Facebook. And mm -hmm. so it wasn't, it wasn't everywhere. Social media for me became this thing. So I, I was in healthcare recruiting. That was my first job out of college, did that for a number of years. And, uh, you know, Twitter came out. Yeah. I always, always hated Facebook. I was never, sorry, any Facebook people listening. Um, my it's, mom. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's just, it's just never yeah. been, I've just never gotten joy from it. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then Twitter came out and something in my brain clicked like, yes, mm. Twitter was access right early on. Like I'm following Shaquille O'Neal. I'm yeah. following presidents. I remember having a conversation on Twitter with James Harden when he was with the thunder. I'm like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, which is just ridiculous, but it's like, it just, it was access and it just made so much sense. Uh, and so we started using it as a recruiting tool in, okay. in our in our company because the, the economy was kind of tanking, and our corporate office kept kind of taking resources away from us. And we were we were a healthcare staffing company, so we would get uh, we would have basically jobs placed on healthcare job boards, and we yeah. would take those nurses and place them in jobs. Well, we couldn't attract nurses if we didn't have access to these job boards, and so we started using Facebook to recruit. And that was kind of an aha moment for me of like, this is more than just like pictures of my aunt's cat or whatever. It's like, this could be a business tool. Uh, and so I, I, something about it just was natural for me. And so I, guys on our team, they knew that I was, I was kind of frustrated and burnt out. They're like, you should, you should go be like a social media, whatever. Consultant. Uh, consultant yeah. yeah. And this was at the time where anyone with a Twitter account considered themselves a social media expert. Okay. And and for me, it was like, just ethically, I'm like, no, I don't, like, I love social media. I get it to a degree. And I, and I could have gone and done that mm -hmm. easily, right? Because people did. Like, I've got a Twitter account. I'm a social media ninja. Yeah. Um, ethically, I'm like, I don't, I don't really understand it to that level yet. Mm -hmm. um, because it's not, right, it's more than just posting on social media. It's, sure. it's marketing. It's advertising. It's communicating. It's, it's not just you know, hand it to your daughter. Hey, my, my yeah. daughter spends a lot of time on Instagram, so she's going to run our Instagram account. Um, and so then I went and kind of, I worked with a, a team here in Oklahoma city who did that. And, and the guy who runs it, Mike Kaler, um, with Smirk new media, like they, he had transitioned the Oklahoman, uh, major newspaper in town, I guess, major newspaper in the mm -hmm. state from print to digital. Um, he had done some things for large organizations. So I went and kind of learned under him the, the real kind of ins and outs of social media for business. Um, and at the same time, started to launch Fieldhouse Media for working with student athletes on sure. how to build their brand. Because that piece I felt comfortable with. Advising businesses, wasn't quite sure yet. Yeah. Um, building a personal brand, I was I was confident with that. Yeah. So you went down that route and, and yeah. that was... Left, like, left the corporate world. Yeah. Um, and and started <laughs> started my own healthcare recruiting company. So, so okay. left that... Thought I could do my own thing because I was really successful at that. Was one of the best in the company. Our company was one of the best in the country. So ego, I'm like, I'm one of the best in the you country. Should, yeah. This is gonna be, yeah. I'll just go do it for myself. You make make the, the money for myself. 
didn't work out quite so well. turns out it's difficult when you don't have the resources of a $500 million <laughs> company behind you. So failed miserably. Yeah like zero dollars fail. Um, but I just kept seeing student athletes getting in trouble on social media. Mm -hmm. And this was, uh, Oh nine yeah. ish, uh, 2010. So student athletes were getting banned from social media. All the conversation around student athletes and social media was negative. Yeah. And I just saw social media as this really great thing. And obviously there are negatives and there are risks associated with it. But I thought this could be a really powerful thing for student athletes and for their programs. Uh, again, didn't know anybody in college sports yeah. um, and was failing at another business, but I just had this idea. And a friend of mine finally said, look, man, either, either do something or just stop talking about it. Yeah. So to my wife, I'm like, hey, I'm clearly great at business. I've made $0 with this one. I think I'm going to launch another one. She, for whatever reason, believed in it. And, and we launched Fieldhouse Media in 2010, 2011-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and 10 years later, I've been on 250 campuses. Yeah. I mean, it's wild. That's mad, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, it's, and there's no reason. Again, I, I knew nobody in this industry. Right. I just used Twitter to connect with sports information directors. I didn't know what that was. Yeah. Um, athletic directors, whoever I could find, yeah. trying to share this idea that social media is, is a good thing. Uh, and... It's been, it's been wild. That's awesome. It's funny you say that people get caught out because there was a guy, a mate of mine on my team at, at SNU. Um, he, you know, you can't bet when you're a student right, athlete, right? right? So I think he had his dad um, place a bet on the Masters, Adam Scott, to win the Masters. And he did. <laughs> uh, and my friend, like, just was like, um, said something, either on Facebook or Twitter or something. And it just said, thank you, Adam Scott, show me the money. And this would have been masters. We obviously would have been here, but um, you know his dad placed the bet back home. Right. And I mean, it was like he he was asked to leave the school, like scholarship right. gone. And, right. And, and and you know, and it was for such a simple, harmless yeah, thing. You yeah. Know? And it, you know, and, and there's a lot of like bad stuff around it. It was you know, it was not a good situation. You know, and he's an international kid too. Right. Um, people who know me and know that guy will, will be listening to this. They know the entire situation. But I think also at the time, our athletic, um, I guess, compliance mm -hmm. was brand new in the job. And we'd just gone to D2. Yep. And she was not in a position to let anything slide. It was like, I need to make an example. And with social media early yeah. on, there was yeah. so much fear oh, yeah. and overreacting. And the NCAA has said multiple, because like, I would have conversations with, with administrators and leaders at the NCAA. And they're like, whenever we try to implement something around social media or anything really, yeah. but especially social media, they're like, we're already five years behind. Oh yeah. And so like their mindset around it was so like, that seemed like a big deal. Yeah. It was, it was truthfully harmless. Right. Didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, but it's, there's a, there's a lot of that. Yeah. I mean, there are hundreds of those stories where people see posting seemingly harmless things and most of the time they actually were yeah. and face some pretty serious consequences. Yeah. And, and we, uh, you know, I mean, thankfully everything worked out. He went to a different university in Oklahoma city and, and just kind of had a great time and, and was successful and graduated. But yeah, it was just kind of a weird, it was the rough, rough scene for a lot. And the team, it didn't, you know, he kind of broke up a little bit of the thing in the team, but, uh, especially the golf team, smaller and, right. and a lot tight knit. But, um, also I've personally experienced me and that same guy, actually, you know, we, we're from the UK, we travel and, and at SNU, they, they do different things differently as well as the NCAA stuff. So, we had posted a picture of us having a beer on the plane, like last beer before we went back mm -hmm. to school. And by the time I got back to school, I had that picture that we'd posted on Instagram of us like cheers in, I guess, on the on the plane to go back home. Uh, was slid under my door at SNU in like A4. It was printed out right. and laminated and just slid under the door and just said, come see me in the morning. And I was like, what's this all about? 
so I missed a golf, one golf tournament because of that, I think. I mean, at the time, like, whatever, it's stupid. Right. But looking back, I'm like, I'm the idiot for posting stuff as well. And, 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 that's, and that was most of what I was trying to do is, you know, I wasn't trying to come in to tell student athletes, don't tweet this, don't post yeah. that, don't be an idiot. Because most of that, I mean, there, there are still people who post terrible things. Mm-hmm. But, but for me to come in and say that doesn't really help you. Right. It's like, hey, don't post pictures of you. Well, that's not, yeah. what are you supposed to post, right? It's to say like, okay, I know what not to do, but me not posting dumb things doesn't mean I'm using it well. Yeah. Right. It's like, you have to have some kind of purpose. And so that was the idea. And early on, you know, even at school was like, Hey, will you come scare our kids off social media? And I was like, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever got me to the school. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That was not yeah. going to be my message when I got there, but, um, but the, everyone was just so afraid of it. Yeah. Like it was just, it terrified people. And then it's so crazy how now it's, it's switched from let's ban them and scare them off of it to now let's equip, not just educate them on how to use it. Well, now let's give them resources to actually build a a brand they can monetize. Yeah. Like, and that's becoming a recruiting tool. Uh, And so it's just fascinating in a decade, how drastically that shift is. I saw yesterday, uh, I think OSU announced that they'd partnership partners with, with a company called, is it influencer? Mm -hmm. And the, the, like that, so that's that would be a huge. Yeah, there's switch, there's right? several companies out there doing stuff like that. Yeah, uh, and and the idea is is essentially, it's almost like Dropbox. Okay, right. Um, the schools have so much content of these athletes because they're taking pictures and videos at practice, at games, traveling, mm-hmm. and people follow people more than they follow brands. Yeah, um, even some of these like traditional you know, college fan bases. I was at Nebraska several years ago when, when Bo Pelini was still there and, and Bo rarely used Twitter. He had more Twitter followers than Nebraska. It's like Nebraska is like a household college football name. It's an institution. That's right. And it's like, but, but he, Bo Pelini, who rarely used it, had more followers. So people follow people more than brands. And, and so schools are realizing if we can get, we have all this content, if we can get it into the hands of our student athletes. So it's mm-hmm. basically an app where a student athlete will open, they've got basically their own folder of yeah. content that they can then Great. share. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's just fascinating. And, and some of these programs, they're now looking at telling a student athlete, this is what you're worth, right? Yeah. This is what a, because they're, they're, they're starting will probably pass some name image likeness, uh, which is basically saying student athletes can get paid for being a student athlete, yeah. um, legislation coming soon. And most of that's going to be around social media. Mm-hmm. Um, they can get, they can be paid to be an Instagram influencer or whatever it may be. Yeah. And so now they're analyzing just how much is our backup wide receiver worth, you know, mm-hmm. if he were to post on Instagram, if a company were to pay him. And so it's just, it's fascinating how that world has shifted so much. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? To see, like I said, from you've been in it from day one, just to see that, you know, schools are like, we don't want our kids on social media because it'll, you know, they may be losing scholarships and it'll ruin their reputation or whatever. And the school's reputation to, you know, how can we get these guys the value that they deserve that, they, yep. you know, and it, it, what is it? It's, it's in California right now, right? Or it's coming soon. Yep. It, they, they expect it to be, now a lot of things could change because now administrators yeah. are kind of going back and forth with Congress. Congress is getting involved, which adds, it's you know, 47 other layers thing. to it. That's right. Um, <laughs> And because they want, they want to have some kind of uniformity okay. so that California doesn't have a different law than Texas or Understood. whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but the general expectation before COVID hit was that this would go um, basically pass in January 2021 to go into effect uh, August 2021 school year. Okay. And so they're, and that's why a lot of these schools are signing deals now to start to prepare for the recruiting classes that are going to be coming in sure. next year and the year after. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that that's. 
so exciting for kids oh. coming in, you know, Massive. it's going to pay for their college, right? So, uh, certain ones. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and that's, and you know, some kids will make zero, right? Well, of course. Um, yeah. And that's, that's totally fine. That's just the nature of the beat, right? The market will decide what they're worth. Um, but I remember I was at a D3 school in Vermont, I guess probably seven years ago. Uh, it was whenever Vine was around. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah. And this kid, he was a basketball player at a D3 school. He had 250,000 followers on Vine. Yeah. Well, that's significant. Mm. You know, it's like he could have been making some serious money yeah. off of that. Um, he's not going to make money off basketball. Right. Not and that's okay. Day. And he's not going, he, he didn't go to a D3 school expecting to make money. Playing sure. bad. If he does great. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, you have these kids and, and I think even, especially maybe international, I think there's a, maybe even a bigger opportunity because they're, they're smaller teams, but different kind of audience and, and global audience. Uh, but there, there are some significant opportunities and, and you know, if a kid makes 3000 a month, Oh yeah. Life changing. In college. Yeah. It's a huge deal. Oh my gosh. I mean, I would, I would have thought I was a king if I made $3,000 a month in college. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are adults who don't make that today. I mean, it's, and so it's, it's, it's a really fascinating development. Um, that's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah. Was there a USC player that I, am I correct? That was like, had a big YouTube following and just quit. Was UCF. that right? UCF. And he just like, I'm Kicker? done. Something, yeah, yeah, something. something like that. He's like, I'm done playing football because yeah, I'm going to go make money on YouTube. Yeah. Cause the, cause the deal was he was, was going to be ruled ineligible. Yeah. Uh, because on his YouTube channel, uh, he would have his UCF jersey, or he would say that he was a UCF football right. player, and he he was he could monetize it. I mean, YouTube. You know, yeah. the, the, the kids today are so. I sound like an old person saying that. These kids today, but like, but youth today are such unbelievable creators. Mm-hmm. Like, and the resources they have available to them, um, it's it's pretty incredible. And so he's like, I can make a lot of money on YouTube. I'm a, I'm a great YouTuber, and it's easy for the olds listening to say, oh, well, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Look, man, yeah. it's a different world. Yeah. And if people, it's not up to us to decide what other people determine to be valuable. Right. If people find value in this kid's YouTube channel, great. Yeah. Good for him. Go, go monetize it, make money off of it, um, and take care of yourself, your family. And, it's, and so it's going to be really interesting. We've seen, even in the NBA bubble, uh, we're seeing, now it's obviously different with pro athletes. A lot mm-hmm. of them are making money anyway off social media, but they're starting to vlog. Yeah. And like, this is what life in the bubble is like. Yeah. And I think that will start to move into the college sports space. You're going to get these kids like, man, I'm just going to, what's, what's the life like of a, of a student athlete at the university of Oklahoma or yeah. at Texas or SNU. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to generate some potential money for them. Yeah. Well, and also like, uh, you know, someone who's looking at SNU or school to go into, they go jump on YouTube and they YouTube as new, that kid's videos are going to pop right. up, right? Like that's, that's right. a great mark, you know, yep. way to and that's it. the thing the schools have to get. And they're, they've slowly been getting it is that if we can help our kids, and this has been my pitch basically since day one. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you can help your student athletes understand how to use social media, well, that's massive for the school because yeah. they are your biggest brand ambassadors. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not probably not supposed to say this. They're not regular students, no, right? Of course not. Nobody, most people aren't following a general uh, chemistry major yeah. at OSU, right? Yeah. Now, unless they happen to be taking that chemistry up to YouTube and doing some really interesting stuff, but for the most part, they're not following the general right. student population. They on don't social care what that kid does for his class. That's right. Yeah. Um, that kid is, is unless they do something terrible, <laughs> yeah. it's probably not going to be front page news. Right. Um, 
Whereas student athletes, they consistently are for, for high school athletes and just for high school students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you help them use it well, that's just a massive, it's a recruiting tool for your team, right? Whether it's basketball, golf, swimming, soccer, yeah. um, cause you're showing what the culture in campus is like, um, and the culture of your team and, and everything about it. But it's also showing that to, to just general high school students. I want to go to Oklahoma state. Well, let's see what these kids, wow, that looks amazing. Or, Oh, that's not what I thought it was. Right. Yeah. Um, and so if you, if you, if you equip them, um, that becomes a really powerful opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. It's exciting. It's, uh, I'm, I'm all about it. I love it. I watch more YouTube channels than I do normal TV. I watch more YouTube probably than I do Netflix. Um, because it, it, it just it's an easy watch, right? That's what yeah. the attention is. That, that, and that's um, what this generation spends their time. Yeah, I had uh, I played golf the other day with the uh, with my my, my golf coach and, and he has he has a young daughter and she's I don't know ten or eleven, and we were talking about cars. we you know we talk about cars quite a bit. It's kind of a passion we both have. And, and he's like, yeah, do you know these like these 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 kids on YouTube who have these cars? And they were like two brothers who have millions and millions of subscribers. <laughs> They're like, where are they getting those cars from? Like that's their cars. Like they, right. you know, they're like 16, right. 17, 18, like buying $400,000 right. cars. That's each. right. He's like, there's no way. I'm like, no, there's just, there's that's real life. so much money on YouTube. Oh, it's that insane. Like, you know, these kids I, I, are A client that I work with in the college football space, uh, his son is 10 mm-hmm. and the family's worked with him to, and they're not trying to be like, quote unquote influencers, right? Yeah. It's like my kid loves to, to do whatever, whatever it is he's doing right. and, and, and film it. So we're trying to help him out and help him get started. Uh, and the kid, the, the dad goes, I'm not joking. He got a $1,200 check yeah. month two. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. <laughs> the parents Absolutely are like, amazing. what? Yeah. We got to, it's our 10 year old, you yeah. know? And so it's just, it's, it's incredible. The, the opportunities. And again, we can, we can laugh at or devalue like the Kardashian um, way of the world, right? Yeah. Of like documenting everything and trying to profit, like whatever, but it's like, yeah. it works. Yeah. Um, and if, if it allows someone to take care of their family and it's not unethical, right? It's not like this sure. immoral thing. Yeah. Um, who cares? Yeah, exactly. So I guess back to um, kind of what, you know, we just had a really enjoyable talk about YouTube, which I could talk about for four hours. Uh, but back to you and, and, you know, kind of diving into, um, you know, this this world of social media for college kids and, and then, you know, building this business, right? This field house media that you're like, right, I'm going to go teach and travel the country and have all these, you know, colleges as, as clients. Um, I guess where would have been the first one that you went to? Uh, first university was Roger state, uh-huh. here in, uh, Oklahoma. Yeah. Up in, up in Claremore. What's funny is that I thought it was, uh, Columbus state, which is down in, in Columbus, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. And so I posted something a couple of years ago cause it came up in time hop, like traveling. And I, I remember even then, like, I'm getting, somebody's paying me to get on this plane and fly to Georgia yeah. to talk about Twitter. Um, what a world. And then some, a friend of mine from Roger State, she was like, no, we were, we were, we were like, it was like two days before. Yeah. Um, and, and so the, the way it kind of happened is, so for a year I was just creating content, writing, yeah. um, trying to get this perspective across that social media is not the bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and kept writing, kept posting, kept writing, kept posting. And people thought it was really funny because there was nobody in that space. Yeah. Uh, there were people who dabbled, maybe like a journalist who would do this on the side, but there was nobody focused on training and educating student athletes on how to use social media well. And so I, I the more I kept talking about it, uh, people thought Fieldhouse Media was this massive company. And it was, it was just me the whole time. Yeah. And they thought we were this huge agency. And I get an email 
uh, six months in, I get an email from an organization called COSIDA. No clue what that is. Um, wanting me to speak at their annual convention. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay. Uh, and I had become friends with some SIDs. So COSIDA is the Sports Information Director Association. Sure. Um, so college sports information directors. And I just didn't. I just never heard of COSIDA. Again, college sports, I was a college sports fan, not a college sports insider. Yeah. But I'd become friends with some SIDs through using social media and getting this message out and them saying like, no, this is right. Like, this is what we need to be doing. And so I texted one of them, like, hey, man, have you ever heard of something called COSIDA? <laughs> he's like, yes. Uh, I was like, they're asking me if I, I should speak at their convention. He's like, does that sound like something I should do? And he's like, yeah, there's going to be 800 people there. Yeah. I would do that. Oh. Yeah. So that was actually my first speaking gig was 800 people. Yeah. Um, and had never given a public talk in my life. And there's video of it. On, I think I may have put it on my YouTube channel, speaking of YouTube. Yeah. And I don't put a lot of effort into my YouTube channel. It's just basically a holding place for some, for videos that people want to find them. Um, but I have this like oversized jacket. I mean, it's, it's terrible. And, <laughs> and the luncheon before mine went long. And so they cut my time like in half as I get up there. Oh, hey, you don't have 45 worst. minutes. You have 20. And I'm like, and I, at that point, it's interesting. It's like my personality, I can adjust. I don't care, yeah. but I'd never done it. I'd put all this pressure on myself. Like this is my, this is my moment, right. To like enter this world. So I was like, I don't care. I'm just gonna, I'm going to go through my slides and they're going to deal with it. Yeah. Um, it, but as soon as I, my name got on their agenda, school started calling. Awesome. And it, that was, and it hasn't stopped since. Yeah. I mean, it was just, so that was kind of the, the tipping point of, cause I had no schools until like I spoke at that convention with zero clients. Yeah. And then you have 800 people there right. who are right. 800 schools. That's right. That, that and so them. it's, it's, and what's been fascinating too is, you know, th there are so many schools. I've been in this for a decade, whether it's social media training or leadership and culture building. It's like, there are so many schools I've still never heard of. Yeah. Oh, there's like hundreds. I'll see school in my like, What? Where yeah. is? I've been doing this a decade. Like yeah. I still don't know where that school is. You know, um, so it's just it's just fun. Like I love traveling. Love love meeting new people. Love being in college towns. And every 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 town, every campus is is unique. Yeah. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Do you collect anything from every college you go to? I don't. So this is I should. And part of it, I think, if I had a different personality type, I would. Yeah. Um, my brain just doesn't operate that way until like four years into it. I'm like, man, I should have been like, a, I should have a wall of things. Well, right. Hats. That's right. Like hats, hats yeah. shirts, coffee mugs, something. Yeah. Um, and I've got nothing. Not yet. Yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> I've, I've even thought about like going back through, cause you know, I'll go to some schools will give me shirts and hats yeah. and gear and different stuff. Um, I've thought about just going back and, and finding every school I went to. It's like, hey, I spoke there seven years ago. Can you send me a hat or I'll buy a hat and just creating a wall of something, but I probably yeah. won't get around to it. That would be really cool, I guess, in, a, in an office setting, right, to have. That's right. Know, like, and obviously we're at the home of Giant right now, but if you had like a giant home office and that's just right. the wall is covered in hats or low or I think that'd be a dream is. at some point is to, yeah, for us, to, if we needed a bigger space to have a wall yeah. of, of that wall of fame. That would yep. be really cool. Uh, so yeah, from that moment it kicks off and you start going, you start getting full schedules and, yep. and wife's happy now because the business that right. you, this business right. is now working. That's right. Actually making money. Yeah. yeah. After two years of nothing, we're actually doing okay. Yeah. And, and she was at OBU, which is down in Shawnee and yep. graduated and, you know, yep. She, so talking about where the offices of Giant, you know, the, the kind of parent company of Culture Winds, my wife was employee number three of Giant. So that's the Giant connection. That's the connection. So okay. she left OBU and started working for Giant. Yeah. And so that was my connection to Jeremy, who, who runs Giant. 
Um, and she's been out of giant for, for 10 years doing yeah. her own thing, but, uh, that was a connection. So it was just funny that that came full circle. Yeah. So how long is it until you connect with giant then while you are doing field house media? Um, great name, by the way, uh, which one Fieldhouse? field house media. It's a great name. <laughs> That's like, like what? yeah, that's like maybe my most creative available? genius moment of like my life was that name. Um, so the idea is it came from Allen Fieldhouse where Kansas plays basketball. Yeah. And I was trying to think of a name uh, and I wanted to do, you know, probably something with media, something with sports. And I was like, uh, for some reason, Allen Fieldhouse immediately came into my mind. It's like Fieldhouse, Fieldhouse Media. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I felt, felt like that, that worked uh, and, it, and it's worked pretty well. Um, probably five years in-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, going back to this idea that leadership has always been kind of the back of my mind, a passion and getting to do the social media training. So we started, it was just initially student athletes. Yeah. And then I realized if I really want this to stick, like a talk doesn't really change anything. It's helpful. Right. Um, a talk probably makes it stick for 30, 40% of those kids, right. Yeah. Who weren't being inappropriate on social media. They were just being college kids, yeah. just noisy. Right. Yeah. Um, so it probably sticks for 30 to 40% where they're like, Oh, this could be this could be actually useful. Mm-hmm. Probably got 30 to 40% who um, it sticks short term and they go back to their old ways. And then maybe 10, 20%, it doesn't matter what I say, they're going to do right. whatever they want. Yeah. Right. Well, I wanted to really get to that, that second 40% group. Like if I get, how do I get them to change their behaviors long-term? I've got to get to the coaches and the, and the administrators because mm-hmm. they're the ones who are spending the time with these, these kids every day. Yeah. Uh, and so we went from just doing student athletes to we'd come to campus and do student athletes and then do coaches and administrators as well as well. Yeah. A to help them understand how to use it better. Cause it's a recruiting tool for them. Yeah, it's brand awareness. Stuff. So most I mean, of them are not on it. That's yeah. right. So it's, it's huge for them, but also to help them have better conversations. Like, mm-hmm. Hey coach, you can't be talking about MySpace <laughs> yeah. to your, to your players. Like this is not going to work. Like here's the, here's the conversations that you need to be having with your student athletes. Um, and so as I had those conversations and, and was in the room more with administrators, I just got to hear their stories of what was and wasn't working yeah. about culture, about leadership. And so I, I realized there was a gap in leadership development in college sports. It's not mm-hmm. unique to that world. That's just where I spend, you know, most of my time. And as with most industries, they consider, um, leadership development, bringing in a speaker, rah, rah, and they leave. And it's like, I mean, that's fine. It lasts for 24 hours. That's right. It's like a church camp high. It's like, this is amazing. And then two weeks later, you're back to normal life. And because there's nothing practical, right? It's all 30,000 foot inspirational view, nothing on the ground level. Um, and so I was like, there's gotta be, and I, and I personally love that style. Like that's mm-hmm. my, like, I love the inspirational, motivational, and that's kind of how I'm wired. But I also realized the, the, the limitations of that. And so I didn't know what to do with it. And so I started a daily email just to encourage, inspire anybody yeah. in the college sports world um, and called it Fieldhouse Leadership. Very creative. So Fieldhouse <laughs> Media, Fieldhouse Leadership. And then I started having... Uh, ADs and coaches say, Hey, will you come do They're They're signing up for that email. Hey, will you come do a staff retreat for us? I'm like, yeah. again, kind of going back to the, to being a social media expert. It's like ethically, I didn't feel right saying yes. I didn't have content. Yeah. I just had a bunch of ideas that I was, I, I write emails. Like yeah. I, I had not built anything, um, didn't have any real specific principles or systems or, uh, and so I, I, I didn't feel comfortable with that. Well, Jeremy Kubitschek, who runs giant, he was living in London at the time and was about to move back. And so he shot me an email, said, hey, I wanna show you what we're working on. Mm-hmm. And so I went, we, we sat down in a room with about 20 guys and he walked through some of the core tools that Giant uses. And I was like, 
Yes. Whatever that was, I need it yeah. as a man, dad, husband, but that's the missing piece in college sports. And so I said, Hey, I've got this field house leadership thing. Mm-hmm. Um, this, these, the, we have to figure out how to do this together. He's like, well, let's just, let's just partner field house leadership powered by giant. Sure. And then we changed it from field house leadership to culture wins championships. Mm-hmm. And then just culture, culture wins. wins. Yeah. Um, cause it's not just about a football team or a baseball team. It's the communications office, the yeah. development office culture wins, recruiting culture wins, development culture wins, all these things. Um, and so that was probably five years ago that yeah. we kind of joined, joined forces. So that then, like you said, you, the perfect, you know, match and, and mm-hmm. with the systems that right. giant has yep. and, and the, you know, the, the, the stuff that they have that, and then the ideas that you have, the content, it puts into perfect, you know, mix, right? And then That's you right. just skyrocket from there. And, yep. you know, you've you got two books out now, right? Which yeah. the recent one is Keep Chopping Wood, right? Yep. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was, yeah, we, we that clicked and just made sense. Um, and Jeremy had kind of been a mentor mm-hmm. since he had left Oklahoma City. You know, he, he bought uh, the Maxwell assets and, and started all this stuff with, with Catalyst and Maximum Impact and Giant Impact in Atlanta and then London. So we had, we'd always stayed in touch. So that, that kind of marriage or partnership made sense. Um, and that gave me, it felt like that was, I'm, I really believe in the idea of, of consistently reinventing yourself. Yeah. And so a lot of that, cause I get bored really easily, mm-hmm. um, which was, which made doing the social media training actually nice. Like even though it was generally the same talk, it's always I was changing different places. Right. And social yeah. media changes, I'm in different schools, different people. And so that kept, I, I didn't get bored with that. Um, but I, but I love change. And so, and I love a, a challenge. So now the challenge was, can I go from being the social media guy in college mm-hmm. sports to being a leadership guy? Cause there's a billion leadership guys, sure. right? It's like you could walk downstairs to the coffee shop to Iote and yeah. find four people doing leadership consulting. Right. Yeah. Um, and so could I, could I make that transition? Um, would, do I have it in me? Would people take me seriously enough? Um, and so that required a whole a practicing what I preach about social media, a whole like shift in how I use social media. So I, mm-hmm. I, for the most part, I'll, I'll talk about student athlete social media stuff a little bit, but I made a, a almost a hard shift from that into culture and leadership and yeah. self-awareness, um, to get people. Cause my thing with social media is what do you want people to think about you? Yeah. Like whenever they see your name, what do you want them to think about? Um, and cause for most people it's nothing, right? They don't, they don't, they, they have no yeah. purpose with that. They're just on social media because they feel like everybody is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so building field house, um, they weren't going to think of me as a social media student athlete guy if I didn't post about social media and student athletes. Yeah. Right. And same thing with leadership. So I kind of put the social media stuff to the side, um, even though I still do that and started talking about leadership and, and humility and self-awareness mm-hmm. and, um, repositioning myself as that for the next 20, 30 years. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Which, like I said, is a lot longer and, and, you know, constantly reinventing and that's moving you in the right direction. And then I guess that's where the whole, the the bigger side of the motivation stuff comes in and the leadership stuff comes in and really takes over what you know yeah. social media and the athlete side of things. Because it's always going to be there and it can that's be, right. it can be, it doesn't have to be just sports or college. It goes that's everywhere right. and it's every aspect of the world we can apply this to that's right that's which right which is really cool yeah so so that's been good i guess since you know the books have come out and, and yeah it's been it's been great more talks yeah so i did one book so i technically have three one i don't really count um so i wrote one on student athletes and social media probably seven years ago mm-hmm. and that was mostly a marketing move to say i wrote the book on I, student I athletes and social media yeah. right um 
I wouldn't recommend anybody buying it. Um, <laughs> it's not on the website. Prob probably not great. <laughs> um, then my second book, which is also not really a book, uh, it's called Leadership Interrupted. Um, and it was really a collection of those daily emails. So mm -hmm. I took 365 of those emails that I've been sending each day and put them into a book. Yeah. Um, I'm actually probably going to rebrand that one. It's like, call it five minute leadership. Okay. Um, I just need to sit down and actually do that. Um, and then Keep Chopping Wood came out in May of this year. And that's probably my first actual book, even though it's really short. It's a, it's a short story, um, kind of fable style, but that one came out in May. Yeah. Yep. And good journey. And then been fun trying to promote a book. And Oh, it's, it's so the story of the book is, uh, I, in January, it was freezing and our neighbor has a wood burning fireplace. And so it's like 10 o'clock at night. I can smell his fireplace burning and I love it. And I have, for some reason, and my brain is just weird, um, but I have this thought of like, I wonder what the process of chopping wood is. Like, yeah. what, how, what, how do you get from tree to fireplace? And, and I realized that uh, the process of chopping wood is like, it, you don't go chop down a tree, like not that my neighbor's chopping down a tree anyway, right? But like the wood in his fireplace was not recently chopped. Yeah. Um, otherwise it'd be too wet. It's not useful. It's not ready. It was, it, wood gets chopped nine to 12 months prior to being used. Sure. Um, it's got to go through it through a process. And so I was like, man, that means people are out there chopping. And again, I know it's 2020. We probably have machines. People probably aren't <laughs> chopping wood. There's somebody out there. Um, chopping there's there's got to be somebody out yeah. there. Um, but that means they're, they're doing that knowing that it's not really going to be useful for nine months, right? Mm -hmm. They're out there just doing the work because that's what the process requires that yeah. you show up today and do the work. And so I, in my brain, translated that to team culture, right? That team culture, teams are going to go through the fire. Yeah. Um, you're not going to make through the fire if you didn't chop wood together, if you weren't, if you didn't build that trust, those relationships. And so I fired off a tweet at like 1030 at night. Um, and Twitter for me is like, if I have a thought about leadership, it just goes there. And it's kind of a testing ground yeah. to see what sticks, what doesn't. Maybe I'll use that in a talk or maybe I won't. Um, but I go to bed and I tell my wife, I'm like, I think I just had an idea for my next book. And I have about 20 of those a week. So yeah. she's like, I'm sure you did. <laughs> she's like, okay. <laughs> yeah. She's like, Goodbye. okay, great. And, and so I, I wake up that Sunday morning and I know this is a weird thing to say, but like that tweet had like blown up. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that resonated like really resonated. Yeah. There's something there. And so then I used the story of it in my daily email on Monday and, and I don't write those emails to get responses. It's just to kind of be an encouragement. So I might get one response a yeah. day. That one, I got like 40. Mm. It was like, oh my, I gave this to my son. I gave this to my, my team. This, and I was like, okay, two for two, like yeah. serious, um, resonating with people. And so then I sat down the next day, Tuesday morning downstairs, Eddie Ote, got a cup of coffee and cranked it out in four hours. It's again, yeah. short story. It's like 9,000 words. Um, but I felt, it felt, you know, it's, it's weird. It's like, I felt really good about it. I don't mean yeah. that's like pride or ego. Like it felt like a message that needed to be out. It felt like yeah. something that people, people needed to hear. Um, so I sent it to a bunch of people that I just trusted to get feedback and people who would be honest and, and so not my mom, you yeah. know, like, Oh, this is amazing. Yeah. Like, you wrote a book and another one can grow. That's right. She's like, amazing. this is so good. Yeah. I'm like, it's terrible. Um, <laughs> send it to people who, who would be critical that I, but yeah. would be critical because they're for me and I would trust them. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the feedback is just, it, it was, it was wild. I'm like, okay, this is, these are people who should be finding issues with it and, yeah. and grammar, you know, whatever, but like with the story itself, the concept, and they're, they're all kind of freaking out. Yeah. I had one who's a, a, a mentor of mine. He goes, if this book reaches nobody else, he goes, this is a, he goes, this, and this guy's 50 ish. Yeah. He's like, 
this is, this is making a significant impact that like I'm, I'm rethinking like, which again, for me, like I like big picture. I want, I want to help thousands and millions, but like, all right, maybe it's just for him. Yeah. Maybe that's good Starts enough, you know? Um, and so then it released in May and it's been so wild to see, uh, cause again, like you, you, I don't want to say put blood, sweat and tears cause it was four hours, right? Yeah. It's not like this. I didn't, it wasn't this painstaking, like working on a book for years. It was four hours. Um, but you just wonder like, are people going to actually care? Mm-hmm. Um, who's going to buy it? Um, because they believe in it, not just because they're being nice and yeah. like being a good friend or supporter, which is uh, love those people as well. Um, but then I get messages from people. It's like, this is I, I, probably 20 schools, uh, small school, uh, like high school, yeah. school districts have made it their like motto for the year. Keep I'm like, what? Awesome. Like, it's just stuff like that. That's yeah. just, I got a message from a coach yesterday. I was like, Hey, we've made this our motto for our team. I got it for, I don't know this coach. I don't yeah. have any relationship. So that's the part where it's really, really fun where it's reaching people that I have zero connection to right. and it's resonating. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, it's great that it, it, it was natural, right? right. And, you know, and, and thankfully like technology, you can just put the, put this to paper ASAP. It's still in your mind, you know, and you're like, this is working, but also it resonates to so many people. Yep. You know, the metaphor, it's, it, it travels a lot. It's not just for sports. It keeps, right. you know, it goes through every, everything you can think of. And yeah, it's, I mean, that's, I love that. That's, that's yeah. so awesome. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, okay. You did do it in four hours, but it's, it's the previous 10, 15 years of work that you've been doing leading sure. to this point. Sure, that's just like, oh, yeah. now I can do this. I yeah. know this is my, you know, that's right. Everything, you know, a lot of people, they, you know, I think we all struggle with instant gratification and the whole, right. oh, I want to be a millionaire now or that's billionaire, right. whatever it is. Well, suddenly you don't see the 10, 15 years of hard graft that someone's that's right. done and the business idea that that's was right. first that didn't make any money. And now you, right. do, you know, there's always, there's always a, another story to it, but that's really cool. So yeah. it's doing well. And, and I mean, what a year to launch a book, I guess, right? <laughs> for yeah, I mean, for who, who launches a book in the middle of a pandemic, right? <laughs> and although at the same yeah. time, I've, I've had a number of people, uh, who's like, no, this is the, it's the exact message we need at right this time. Especially, so in the sports world, right? Cause like a lot yeah. of them aren't having games. Yeah. So what are you actually, are you the kind of person who still shows up, who mm-hmm. still prepares, who still does the work, who can separate yourself from the outcomes? Cause it's easy to say, well, we don't have a game. Why would I practice? Yeah. Um, or why would I do whatever? It's like, no, you, if you're this kind of person, that requires that you do this yeah. kind of work, that yeah. you show up in this, whether it's sports, whether it's business, whether it's your family, your health, whatever it may be. Um, and so it's, it's felt like it's, it's the message, as weird as it is to, to, to release a book in the middle mm-hmm. of a pandemic, um, is almost the right message for a pandemic. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, you, you're constantly kind of reinventing and moving forward. You know, what, what has been the, the most recent, I guess, reinvention and the way you think things are going now, are things kind of staying the same or... I assume not. You're constantly evolving and, and what kind of what's next. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I plan to do this work that we're doing now with, with teams and with culture and mm-hmm. for, a, for a long time. I love it. I love seeing um, there's when people have these aha moments and start to, to go from like, I, uh, I, I fully believe that most people are sleepwalking through life, right? We're just on autopilot yeah. uh, because that's safe. Yeah. Right. Like the American dream is safe. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, it's comfortable. It's easy. Um, it's reasonable. Yeah. is maybe the best word for it. Right. Like go to, go to college and get a degree and get a, get a good job. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm not trying to be mm-hmm. negative about it. Um, I think it's just resulted in a lot of people just living right yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and if, 
and for me, when I say people like waking up and kind of coming alive and unlocking their potential, mm-hmm. that doesn't, I don't mean they even quit their job. It just may mean they show up in a different way to that job. Right. right. Um, Cause we've, we've, our culture has really made this like entrepreneurial pursue your calling thing, like this really sexy thing. I'm like, no, it's really, really difficult. And 98% of people should go get, should go work. I don't know, in, in a sales job or an oil and gas or mm-hmm. an educate, you know, whatever, like go find a, a stable place. Um, but it's how you show up there. Yeah. And so to say like, you know, we're, we're in Oklahoma, it's Oklahoma podcast. Uh, I'll say Chesapeake, maybe a bad example <laughs> given yeah. current realities, current but, it's like, but it's like, there's nothing wrong. We, we've, we've almost made it like you're weak or not fully alive if you go to work at Chesapeake. Yeah. And this isn't an anti Chesapeake. It's just to go work at a desk job mm-hmm. every day. It's like, no, that's a great thing. From Go do that. Like, that's honorable work. Like, yeah. whatever go you're providing for your family, it's awesome. Um, but it's how you show up. So, right. it, you know, a lot of the work that we do are in, in organizations like that. It's, it's even an athletic department, and, and University of Oklahoma. Well, that's 300 staff members and mm-hmm. 500 student athletes. Um, it's still a business, right? It's people showing up and, and yeah. doing work each day. But to, to have these kind of breakthrough moments with, with people where every, that you realize and they realize everything now is going to be different. Again, doesn't mean new job. Doesn't mean sell your house. Or, it's just, I'm going to show up in a different way. Yeah. It's like, I was, I was, you know, people were meant to do more than just kind of coast. Sure. Um, and so that part of the work, I mean, do I care about working with teams who win championships? Sure. Like that's fun. That's good marketing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I care a lot more about the people that are becoming along the way um, and the impact that it's having uh, on the leader, on their team, on mm-hmm. their family, on their future. Um, and so I, you know, what's, what's, what will be next is probably some, I think, continue to innovate in our space. Sure. Um, you know, we launched a platform, uh, a year or so ago called, called giant TV, mm-hmm. not a large TV. It's a giant TV. And it's basically a, give me a pause. Not okay. Uh, and it's, it's basically a, it's an on-demand leadership development, culture building platform, which we've relaunched a re, redesigned in the past month. So August 1, 2020, it went live very different um, with a free product and a team product. And it's, it's videos, it's assessments where people can measure the health of their leadership and their team and their culture in real time. Yeah. Um, and so it's super powerful. So now we're, we're working on Culture Wins TV um, to, to take that same content and redevelop it for the sports world uh, to where there, there are people who will, and, and I, I try to be reasonable, you know, with, with our fees, but there are people who will never be able to afford to have me come out, but they can get on a platform yeah. and invest with their whole organization mm-hmm. actually at a pretty cheap rate and get, and scale their leadership skills. So it's, I think it's, I think the future for me, the, the next is reinventing how we do what we do, mm-hmm. um, to reach more people to, 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 I mean, my big kind of dream is to completely reshape um, the culture of American sports. Sure. Now, why not global sports? We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I, I, I'm not naive enough to think it's going to happen in my lifetime, right? It's right. Like, this is, this is a whole, this is a lot of work that's going to require a lot of people. Um, but how do we make a dent? Mm. We got to reach a lot more people and I can't, right. I can only speak so many places. And yeah. so speaking, uh, I hope will still happen, you know, with, with the pandemic, I haven't, I haven't been traveling, um, been doing a lot of zoom calls, um, so speaking is always going to be part of it, um, but figuring out how we get our content and our systems into everybody's hands to 
to scale and come and shift the culture of, of leadership and college sports and pro sports and high school sports, um, in a massive way. Yeah. I like that. And it, it's, you know, like you said, it, whether it's from a book or from some platform mm-hmm. or paying to have you come out or, you know, having that, that's that talk that you've given at a university be videoed and mm-hmm. somebody seeing that video six months later on YouTube or whatever it is, like there's always going to be value in that content yep. it? and just you know the more like i said the more people you can get that to then the more impact and, and eventually over time that's going to become normal to them and, and constantly evolving and that's right you know and i think like you said earlier having people working a desk job and just coming to work and not just showing up mailing it mailing it in but yep. coming down you know really like making it the best experience for a customer for a client mm-hmm. whatever it is you know like my wife works at a title company and you know she, she people coming in every day to close on their house it's a huge deal that's right um you know some people can be talking a lot of money it's a big you know it's a big right it's a big investment or a big big moment for their lives and and it might be there's a lot of emotion that goes in that right. so you know it's like for her it's trying to be as level-headed and make it the best experience possible and right um, but it's a ton of work for her like, that's a that's a, especially right now yeah that's an crazy. insane job to be in right yeah, like she's busy it's, it's, it, which is a good thing mm-hmm. even that that the goodness of being busy but can we can we can start to complain oh, oh i'm yeah. overwhelmed i'm working yeah, too yeah. many hours or whatever but it's we can you know and the question i've been asking a lot lately is because right, we can say, well, you, she could just go work at a title company and, and you know, she could show up on purpose. She yeah. could have a great attitude. She could try to make it a great experience. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but and people say, well, that's cheesy or that's yeah. like mumbo jumbo. Like, well, what's the alternative? Yeah. To just hate what you do, to show up like, all right, well, I guess I'll do the work today. Just, just good enough to get a paycheck, mm. not good enough to get real influence or more responsibility, but just enough to coast. And it's like, why? Like yeah. why? Why would you? Why would you ever choose to show up that way? Mm-hmm. And and people aren't choosing to show up that way. They're just not choosing to not show up that yeah. way, right? It's like because nobody nobody chooses to to be negative, to be half engaged, mm-hmm. to be whatever. It's like we're just not choosing to be positive to show up on purpose. Yeah. And and what happens in a company like a title company when people actually care? Mm-hmm. It's like it's and especially for that. It's like you you nailed it. It's like what she's doing. Like these, these are life moments for people. Yeah. Right. It's like we can, mm. when it's your work, it's easy to see, Oh, it's just another, just yeah, another closing. Another right. Yeah. Whatever. It's like, no, this is a significant moment. And when you see that, it's like, man, I get to make a life moment for mm-hmm. someone today. I need to, I need to be at my best. When I was in the healthcare world, it was a, you're supposed to make a hundred phone calls a day. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's a numbers game. Recruit what we call it qualifying nurses, which basically getting their resumes, right? Yeah. Um, so talk to as many nurses as possible, get as many resumes as you can, get as many referrals as you can, as many job interviews as you can, so you can get as many placements as you can. And so it was 100 phone calls a day, which for me and my personality, I'm like, I'd rather smash my head through a wall. Right. I'm going to figure out how to do it in 20. Totally the same way. Yeah. I'm going to do it in 20 because for me, if I'm making 100 phone calls a day, it means I'm having no meaningful conversation. Yeah. So I'm not going to actually do my job well. If I can do it in 20, then I'm building connection. Mm-hmm. Then I've got real clients, real customers, um, and we can we can work some magic. But it, it it's really easy to just look at all we had our KPIs up on our board. Like we need this and this, like all these, mm-hmm. the data for everyone. It's just easy to get lost in that and, and even making good money and like being successful in that. It's like, it's easy to, to get bogged down. And yeah. our, our boss one day, 
he told this great story. He was sitting uh, at like a Hibden, getting his tires changed or rotated, whatever. And he's sitting next to some stranger and they strike up a conversation. And we, our main focus in the healthcare world was dialysis. So mm-hmm. we're finding dialysis nurses to send to open dialysis clinics. Yeah. And usually for temporary assignments. And so it turns out this guy sitting next to my, my old boss was a dialysis patient. So they're talking and my boss said, so how, tell me about your nurses. Like, do you like them? Do they take care of you? And what's that experience like? And the guy said, man, I would not be alive without those nurses. Mm-hmm. He's like, they, they, I am so grateful. They keep me alive. So he came back and said, guys, we're not just making hundred phone calls a day. We're impacting that man. Yeah. We're keeping people like him alive. So don't get lost in the numbers, yeah. realize the impact. And it's like, Yes, when you when you think that way, like it's more than just making phone calls. It's more mm-hmm. just than just closing on homes. It's like, what's the real impact? When you get that, you can show up in a different yeah. way. And there's always more to it, isn't it? There's always and like back to your chopping wood analogy. Like you you know that wood has been chopped nine to twelve months before. You don't see the result, mm-hmm. the fire or whatever it is, right. you know, in your work. So when someone is putting in those constant hours, they're doing coming to work, they're showing up differently with intention. Yep. 12 months later, they may get a promotion, right? That's right. Or they may meet someone that has that impact. It's like, That's hey, right. here's another job opportunity. I love what you've been doing for the last year, consistently seeing you show up. That's right. So it goes a long and, way. And we get so impatient, right? Cause like yeah. we want, like you said, we live in a drive-through culture. Mm-hmm. I can, on the way to the office, I have a, thankfully I have a short commute. It's like a mile, um, but I can drive through and get money. I can drive through and get medicine. Yeah. I can drive through and get food. I can drive through and get my dry cleaning. Uh, I mean, whatever I want, I can drive through and get it. And so we expect that type of progress, that type of success in everything, mm. whether it's losing weight, whether it's getting a promotion, whether it's hitting our sales, like that's just not how, that's yeah. not how anything worthwhile actually works. Yeah. And we know that, but we lose sight of that. And so we just get so impatient and so frustrated. It's like, no, just keep showing up. Yeah. It's like, and maybe you don't get the promotion. You still got better, mm-hmm. right? It's like, maybe you didn't lose, maybe your goal was to lose 50 pounds and you've hit 40. Yeah. Well, you lost 40 pounds. Like in what world yeah. is that bad? Right. You know, but like we didn't hit that goal. So we decide we're a failure. It's like, no, you, you, yeah, you look a lot better than you did. That's right. If yeah. you had told yourself a year ago, you're going to lose 40 pounds. You'd be like, what? That's amazing. Yeah. But because it wasn't 50, you're like, oh, I failed. I didn't reach my goal. It's like, no, there, you always made progress. You always got yeah. better. You just have to have a better perspective on yeah, it. Definitely. Well, um, I mean, this has been an absolute pleasure sharing some of the stories and listening to you speak and just stuff that you've done over the years and I wish you all the best, you know, for the future and, and for the end of 2020 and doing a lot of zoom stuff. Uh, but hopefully it gets to travel sometime soon. Uh, for everyone listening, how can they follow you? How can they buy the book? I mean, what's the best place to go? Stuff like that. Yeah. Easiest. I'm, I'm at Kevin DeShazo everywhere. So K E V I N D E S H A Z O. Um, my website is DeShazo.me. The book keep chopping wood is on Amazon. Um, or you can just go to keep Awesome. Well, mate, really appreciate your time. Uh, for everyone listening, I'll post all those links down below in the description. You can go check those straight after you listen to this podcast. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast was presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, who've been telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. Follow them online at OklahomaHOF.com and definitely on Instagram at OklahomaHOF. Catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.